Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 128, part two of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and if you have not heard part one of my interview with Danielle here, then head back one episode from yesterday and listen to part one first. It's the introduction, the childhood, explaining, you know, what is a dimensional typographer and some of the really cool and wacky things and foods that she has made typography with. This episode, part two, this is where the tough stuff happens. This is the nitty gritty where we get into the challenging times in her career. Um, She tells us a story actually about a recent one where she had you know, politely spoke to an artist that she felt was crossing the border between being inspired by her work and copying her work and uh, how it turned into a really tough experience for her. We talk about the writing that she's done for Working Not Working magazine, and we also get into a lot of talk about mental health and struggling with um, being hard on yourself and growing and challenging yourself. Danielle also tells us about the exhibit that she went to um, that sent her off on a mission, a mission to create black light reactive jello. Yes, she made typography with black light reactive jello, and it's still edible, and she tells us all about that. That kind of stuff and so much more in part two of my interview Go check out part one first if you haven't heard that, but if you've already heard it, then let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, part two of my interview with Danielle Evans. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? All right, so now I want to get into a couple of questions about um, challenging times in your career. And I want to pull those stories out of you, share those with the listeners, and then I'll turn it around after that and we'll end in a nice little happy spot. Oh, sure, sure. (laughs) Um, So I want to hear what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Oh, my goodness. Um, I guess I could talk about something that happened this past year, which has been really hard because Mm -hmm. I'm still coming Mm -hmm. through it. Um, So I had an experience where another artist was very closely replicating my work for years. Um, Happened upon my stuff, decided that they liked it and just started making stuff that looked exactly like it, started poaching my clients, um, started pulling actual client pieces I did as inspiration for other client pieces. It was really bad. And it was one of those things where I held off on saying something for a while because I I noted how other people had I've seen other people like call people out in the past and I just thought that was really inappropriate. Um, so I thought like, well, if I give this person time after I've spoken with them privately, maybe they'll change. And that of course never happened. It just kept getting worse and worse. Um, so finally this past year I had sat down a couple times to write about this experience 
And once I felt like it was for the most part behind me and I dealt with it, um, I made some side-by-side comparisons, kind of gave my thoughts about why I think this isn't really healthy for anybody, why it doesn't benefit anyone, and why as an industry we need to rethink how we take inspiration from people because of how quickly the internet is pulling images to us and we're not able to keep track of what we're ingesting. And I put it out there in the world back in March and it for the most part went over pretty okay, but there was a lot of like fire that I took from the internet. Seriously, um, people accusing me of being a bully, which is hilarious because I've (laughs) been bullied most of my life. So that's not really a thing I'm capable of. people accusing me of like sending cease and desist and like lawyer letters, which I'd never done. Um, and that was just really strange. Like I'd never had my industry turn on me before and it legit actually put me in therapy. It put me in therapy because of how badly, um, my peers treated me. I had people sending me private emails asking me what the hell I was doing and who the hell I thought I was and calling me names. And then they would, um, take those emails, turn them into Instagram comments under fake, um, fake accounts and then post all of them mm-hmm. on these, on these posts where I was talking about some of these things. I am proud of how diplomatically I handled stuff. I am very proud of, um, how I put this information out there because I was very careful and want to cause people to like rise up to be asinine. And I got a spectrum of responses. So some of them were really good Some of them were really awful, and the ones I thought were really interesting were the ones in the middle, where they didn't really know either way, but they would love to hear it discussed more. And that was really cool. So I guess the the shitty part of the story is it's really affected my ability to produce things. I've had, like, actually, like, post-traumatic stress incidents from trying to post my work. Like, I've had anxiety attacks during the creative process, um, the conceptual process, and then I made a bunch of work that I would get right to the end of it and then not be able to publish it. I just couldn't do it. So I had to go to therapy and I've been doing that for a couple months and I love it and I've started making work again. Beautiful. So that's, <laughs> that is a story. <laughs> that is such a story, but it's, it's, I honestly chalk it up to like, that's part of life. Isn't it? And like, it's horrible. Like shit will go sideways for everybody. You will go through something that will affect you to your core yes. and it will be more than you can just get through or move yes. past yourself. And so, you know, noticing that and taking the time and having the strength to pursue that extra help, even in a world where, you know, Ooh, you go to counseling. Oh, heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, right. Like in that world. So that's incredible nice. and powerful that you've done that. And especially, coming through and now on the other side, maybe not even fully, but starting to produce again. God damn, that must feel good. It does. And it's interesting because um, I noticed this experience did a lot of strange things. It polarized people to me, which I've always been an opinionated person, but very careful about how I've presented those. Mm -hmm. And in this case, um, the people that are genuine and open were very much magnetized to me. Um, A lot of people who have, Honestly, if I'm if I'm going to be really real about it, try to exact abuse upon me, either through um, grabbing my work or like through identity like identity theft or um, actual physical abuse, have kind of chosen to side with the other artist, which I thought was really interesting. So it's been like a fascinating study in who I can and cannot trust, and mm-hmm. 
it's also allowed me to then relax my opinion of like, oh, do I need these people's opinions? No, I don't. I don't. And it's great. So while in some cases I feel a little ostracized still and was effectively canceled by handfuls of people from my community, um, I don't know that I need their validation anyway. And it's also kind of brought to light what it looks like to be a person, an intersectional person of any sort. Um, I'm noticing the design community is very conservative and very fearful in some ways about new ideas or holding space for uh, multiple opinions. Mm -hmm. And so I think like when this was happening to me, I noted that a lot of my friends of color were kind of rallying around me to be like, hey, it's going to be okay. I promise you'll be fine. And I was like, wait a second. Holy shit. You guys go through this all the time, don't you? Like I've been exploited by one person for several years. You guys get exploited by all of us all of the time. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, welcome. Hi. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> oh my goodness. So it was just kind of this amazing moment to be like, it's not to say that, oh, Danielle found her wokeness, but just understanding that like there are so many people out out there living these very complicated experiences that we're not really understanding or discussing at length amongst mm-hmm. people who don't look like each other. Um, and it's important to, especially for myself, make space for those people even more through that experience, being more inclusive of, of their stories and what they're struggling with because design that is diverse is far more effective than design that is not. So that is like, like a, a poster experience for beautiful, horrible, painful, exciting, encouraging, like literally every feeling there is. Yeah, very much. And I think too, I've been writing a lot as well as part of this. It's so funny that um, in a lot of ways, this kind of cuts some of the digital component of what I'm doing and has forced me back to like um, to paper and to writing and I've been publishing a series of articles through Working Not Working magazine on various types of design ethics and mental health and design and things like that, which has been so wonderful. And I would highly recommend you check out their publication. But um, one of the things I've been writing about is this, like you're saying, a spectrum of emotion. I think we're moving from a time of good vibes only to like a time where all vibes is important and permissible because when we are putting up hands being like, Hey, we don't want your good vibe or anything. That's not a good vibe here. That's a place of privilege. And that's also saying that I'm not equipped to handle anything that feels like it's not cut and dry and good. Whereas we're human beings. We're very complicated. And we as adults are expected to hold multiple feelings that conflict each other all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that climate change is, is kind of coming to a head, um, political outrage, um, social, social issues, everything just seems like it's just bubbling to the surface and we're getting to the point where we kind of can't take it anymore. I think we're hitting a design era where things are about to get very loud, very brash and very full. It's going to be a spectrum of vibes. (laughs) I completely (laughs) agree. It just feels right even saying it. Yeah. Okay. A lot. (laughs) I got two more tough ones and then I promise I'll turn it around. Um, Danielle, I want you to take us to a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Take us to that story. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I have to retract a couple things in this process. Um, just so I don't offend anybody necessarily, but I had a project where somebody called me in 
And they called me in almost like I was the superhero for a bad idea. <laughs> They're yes. like, this person is going to save us with their, with their, their particular style. This is going to make this idea much more palatable. And the guy that, um, I was working with was he was young. He was a young dude and didn't have a ton of experience. And he just kept saying like, man, the client doesn't know what they need. They don't know what they want. We're just going to give them what we want, what we think is good. And I'm like, I don't know that that's the way to go. My, my bro, like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the attitude we should be taking to this because if they don't understand it, they're not going to use it. And he was like, no, 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 no. We're going to follow your lead on this. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. And I just remember the project felt heavy from like the second we got on the set, um, we had to make like three different images. They were all out of different things. And all of these different things have different, um, different points of like destruction. So think about like a dairy item, for example, is probably going to have like 40 minutes under lights. Maybe, um, if you're lucky, uh, we had a couple plants and the plants, like depending on, um, how water-based they are, they would have even less. And so we were just having a hard time getting through it. And this guy just kept trying to pump me and, and the photographer and the other people on the setup. And it just wasn't working because it was not about being in service of other people, not about being in service of the viewer or about the client, but being in service of what we wanted. And I'm like, I, I love design people. I'm, I'm part of this community. But I think sometimes when we try to supersede what other people need with what we think we want, we don't end up with a product that anybody loves because again, they don't grasp what the point is. Mm -hmm. So by the time we finished it, I didn't even want to show it to anybody, even though it was kind of cool because it just felt dirty and it felt like it wasn't going to do what it needed to anyway. And as far as I know, the project never got used. It's just on other people's um, like portfolios as promotional things. Mm -hmm. So it proved the point that I was concerned about. So, so immediately upon arrival, it felt heavy. And what was missing in that is nobody um, or the project leads, you just seem to not be concerned about the service of others. How is this going to benefit others? What are we, what messaging is going on here? It was right. just concerned about let's make it cool and they're yes. going to use it regardless. Yes. Yes. And I think that kind of thinking is what causes people to treat us as decorators and if we're wanting to flip the script on being a decorator, that means we have to um, do the work that like copywriters or other visual people have to do, which means going in and researching, doing the historic study of the symbols that we're using, making sure that we're connecting with the audience that may or may not look like us um, on this product that we may or may not even use, because that's the point. The point is to be the bridge between this item and these people that could use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I got a feeling in my gut right now, and it's just okay. Let's get through it. <laughs> I feel for you. I feel for you. Um, what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Oh, <laughs> you're catching me with all the questions. All the questions. The last oh one, and we'll turn it around. I promise. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. These are good. I like. I like the tension of it. Um, so I was texting someone today, a friend of mine, also in the design community, being like, I'm so frustrated because I feel like the work that I started doing, like, which was a lot of flat lay, kind of pulverized spices and other substances, dirt, things like that. Um, I did a lot of that when I first started. And that's not exciting to me anymore. My work has evolved to be like more complex, to involve weird bakes. Um, some of the photo rendering is more complicated now. Like, 
that stuff is fascinating to me. And I feel like I'm, I'm not done with doing things as like a flat lay, but it's just, I'm so fast with it that it's not challenging. Um, but the things that I want to do, the things that are more complicated, like music videos, or um, I want to get into more murals or installations, interactive things and technology based work, like those seem to require other people. I've hit my limit as to what I can do as one person alone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes getting partners that have the time and the energy and the dedication to align with me from start to finish on a project is really hard. Um, and given the kinds of trauma I had gone through and the um, traumatic uh, stress I was experiencing on the other side of that trauma, there were times this year where even I dropped the ball and was like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like I, <laughs> I wanted to do this. I sat down to do this and then I had a panic attack and I had to get up and do something else for a little bit. Like I'm realizing like the timing of those things, it's really frustrating because I know what my path could be right now and I know where it is. And so I have this tension of like taking baby steps, not only into my personal recovery and my personal relationship with my work, but also what I think the future of my job looks like. It's really scary to grapple with this when you also rely on your work, like your artwork to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. So that's where, that's where my head is right now and the tension rests within me is how do I give myself enough space and time to evolve when that's a complicated process. It will involve people and time and resources and yet still being okay through watching those resources wax and wane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was really well said. I just, I can feel that struggle of you, yeah. know, you and I, in some ways I feel that I'm going through a similar phase. And I said this to my wife last night where, um, you know, we're sitting there on the couch. It was my son's eighth birthday yesterday. So just a crazy day. And you're sitting down kind of uh, at the end yeah. of it. And, but my head is just racing a million miles a minute on where I want this podcast to go, what I want it to do, who I want to help with it, who I want to find through it and all yeah. of these things that I wanted to accomplish. And I just, uh, my wife just sensed that something was going on with me. And she just said, you know, what, what's going on? What are you thinking about? And I said, all of the things that I want like <laughs> to, to happen in places be. And she said, well, go write it down. Take 10 minutes, go write it down. So I did that and just getting it out on paper, you know, it was, was good because now it's written down, it's logged, you know, it's not going to get forgotten when I have to go unload the dishwasher or whatever else. Um, but it also sort of put it into perspective of the steps that it's going to take and the growth that I'm going to have to go through to accomplish it. Mm -hmm. So it, uh, I feel like, you know, that, that resonated with me. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I think so many of us are there most of the time. Um, but I think very few of us want to tread that, that water because it's deep mm -hmm. and it's unknown and we're not really sure. Are we going to be able to outlast it while we're in the process of growing? Because mm -hmm. again, if you don't come from a background where you have a trust fund or mom and dad support or whatever it is that you have, it's a lot harder to know how long you can last in open water. Um, but when and if you do it, it's one of the most rewarding things to come through on the other side. Like I look back at the work I've, I did even like two or three years ago and some of it still holds up. But I'm like, wow, I'm I'm progressing. I have a lot to do still. And that's wonderful. Yeah. I think the saying is people overestimate what they can do in a day 
but underestimate what they can accomplish in a year. Ooh, or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the, the trouble with getting caught up in that is, you know, you make a to-do list and maybe your to-do list has 30 things on it. Well, you're mm-hmm. already setting yourself up for failure because even if you only get 10 of them done and they were 10 really good, really big, important things, you're still like, shit, like, I, I got 20 things left on my list today. I didn't do nothing. Yeah. And even like we minimize the things that we do. I mean, I remember um, I remember I had a partner several years ago where he worked at a job elsewhere, would come home and he'd go, what did you do today? And I'd be like, oh, I didn't really do anything. He'd go, well, what does that mean? And I went, well, I mean, I... I read like a bunch of articles and I did a couple of chapters on this book about business and I sent out like five different emails to people and I prepped for a project, but I mean, I didn't really do anything. He was like, oh shit, <laughs> um, that's a pretty busy day. I mean, I farted around on the computer and had a couple snacks at my, my in-house job and I'm like, hmm, okay. Yeah, there you go. Perspective. And we don't think about it. We don't think about it, but a lot of the small steps that we take on a daily basis are, are really seeds that we plant yep. that we get to harvest later. Because when you're challenging yourself every single day, even if it's small little things, get up 10 minutes earlier, go to bed 10 minutes sooner, drink more water, like every single one of those little challenges um, that could be put in that category, it may not seem like anything in, in the moment, in that day. But then yeah. you look back in a week, look back in two weeks, look back in a year and go look at the growth that has happened from mm-hmm. these tiny little challenges and struggles every single day. Yes. So Yeah, exactly. Keep your eye on the big prize. Um, okay, I'm going to turn it around. Danielle, tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of. The one that just makes your heart sing. Maybe it's the biggest design feather in your cap. What is that project? Oh man, you know what? I think we got to talk about the Jello some more. <laughs> please, please do. Okay. So it's funny because this project was just for myself, um, and I think in that statement, there's a lot of unpacking to do there. I've I've been taught through the course of my life that servicing myself first in any way is is not the way to live, and so I've had many to, people are taught that. Yes, yes, and I've had to unlearn that as an adult. I'm still unlearning that on a regular basis. So the fact that um, whenever I do projects for fun, the fact that they benefit me first and foremost is really beautiful. And mm-hmm. so I try to be excited about that. But um, I remember part of why I love this project is because it started with the art museum. Um, I go to the art museum here often, and it is kind of like a research thing. Usually I go to just like poke fun at the art um, and just be silly and make dumb jokes. But because in that way, like it also helps me to research like, oh, what's the spin I could take on this? But my museum had a basement show for psychedelic blacklight posters. So <laughs> I mean, cool. I know. The the immense irony of it being in the basement was not lost on me <laughs> also. <That's> so good. <laughs> so I go to the bottom floor and I'm wandering through it. And I'm just like, this is amazing. And there, there are posters about women's body issues. There are posters about war. There are posters about the Black Panthers. And they're all from like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They're um, just an entire exhibit filled with this stuff. And of course, they have like a little spot where someone's like, hey, make a piece of art. And someone makes a giant penis out of like neon green paper. And it was hilarious. (laughs) Perfect. Of course. It it truly was. But I was sitting there looking at this and I'm like, how do I pull this into what I do? How do I make translucent things? And I start researching on the internet. I go, wait a second. I can make blacklight jello maybe? Maybe? Would it hold long enough for me to do what I need to do to it? I don't know. 
And so this, this poster exhibit completely set me on this really weird path where I'm like, okay, you need animal proteins to help set this off. It needs to have a certain amount of like food coloring. If it's too much, it's going to like bog it down and, and make it too cloudy and you won't be able to fluoresce out of it. And I'm running like test particles back and forth into, I have a little bathroom down here that I use for like my work stuff. And I'm just like flipping this black light on in the bathroom being like, yes, it works. And also what the hell did they do in this bathroom before I moved here? <laughs> Holy hell. <laughs> the black light reveals it all. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> but it was such a cool project because I was, I was just so amped about it the entire time. I was like, okay, I'm going to make like three different trays of jello. I'm going to use like these different ingredients. I'm going to make this ratio and I think this will work out this way. Um, I had already 3D printed a mold that I wanted to use to cut it. And I'm like, God, I need to just push this down evenly or it's going to be uneven and um, realizing like, okay, now I need to photograph and do everything in the dead of night. So I had to have a night shoot and my apprentice who was helping me came in and the two of us are just like, shining this light around and we're pouring things on top of it to make it like more interesting. And it just started looking like scenes out of an eighties movie. And I couldn't believe everything that the camera was catching. Like none of the, none of the edits from this video were faked. They were all in camera. I, I didn't even touch it. And so I, most of the prog or the, sorry, the concept centered around um, this continuing theme of ASMR work that I've been doing. Um, again, this idea of combining like visuals with sound and seeing how we can use sound to create um, some sort of additional experience in the viewer. And so I found a song that gave me tingles or frisions, as they call in that space, and then put it to these um, very satisfying videos of us drizzling things on top of it and slow panning and like playing with the light form so that it looks like a passage of time. And it just there's something about it where it like gave me chills, but that was also the phrase was give me chills. So it's, that's amazing. Okay. So is this anywhere that anybody can see? Can I look this up? Yes. Like, where do I see this? It's on dribble. It's on Vimeo. I have pieces of it on my, um, on my Instagram. I mean, it's all over the place, okay. but it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. I would <laughs> love to hear what you think about it. That's amazing. <laughs> I have to look this up right away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, Danielle, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? That That is a very interesting question because I feel like <laughs> I really love Twitter for all of its hangups. It's like one of those like really complicated people in your life where you're like, God, you say the most inappropriate things at restaurants, but also I just love how big your heart is. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just feel like um, the Twitter, the Twitter sphere is so vast. You know, you you have people that exist within it that are just the best of the best of human beings. You have utter garbage in another corner on fire. Um, you have all of these little subsets. Like occasionally, I find myself in Black Twitter. I find myself in Writers Twitter. I find myself in Weird Anime Twitter, and I don't know quite how I got in these spaces. I just end up circulating there for a time, and it's fascinating that all of these people exist on this platform and you just maybe never cross them, but they're mm -hmm. there. And when you do cross them, you're like, wow, here's an entire group of people that see the world in this one way. Mm -hmm. And I can choose to observe that without judgment or I can leave. Like those are my options. Yeah. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. That's one platform that I have not exercised and, and um, 
I don't know. I'm just fearful that it, when I get into something, I want to stay in it. And I'm just <laughs> fearful that if I get into it and I just, it doesn't click, I just won't stick with it. So, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something I'm trying to keep my eye on. I, I would encourage it. I keep telling people it's the thinking man's Facebook. Um, I would even say it's the thinking man's Instagram because whether people realize it or not, if you're a visual artist, you can do very well on there. Like, illustrators, um, photographers do really well on there because they're just like, here are four images, bam, bam, bam. Buy them if you want. And then people just reshare and reshare and reshare. It's pretty amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, what's looking into? Well, Danielle, you've reached the part of the show for the ask it forward question. Mm. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest. Okay. You have the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Rude. <laughs> you just don't get to know. So, and that's the joy of it, right? Because if it's somebody like that you're in, you know, you follow or know really well, you're like, oh yeah, they'll get this question. But no, let's keep it, keep it anonymous here. Okay. So my last guest was Rahul Bogo, and he is a designer out of Toronto, and his company name is Nothing. He's a designer at Nothing. Cool. Fantastic. I had yes. a great interview with him. Um, so he wanted to ask this, and it, now that I've sort of done this interview with you, this question could not be going to a better applicant for, for this question. Okay. So it's a three-part question. So part one is, are there any side projects that you wanted to start, but you didn't? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, stop. Do you want to, do you want to briefly, briefly, like just sort of mention it? You don't need to go into yeah. detail, but just shut yeah. it up. Stop peering into my soul. This hurts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, also earlier today and yesterday, I was talking to someone. Um, I've had a project that will not let me go. It's a lyric video for um, one of my favorite musicians. And I've had it storyboarded out for three years. I mean, I know exactly who I want to hire. I know exactly what the visuals need to look like. I know I know about the amount of time it'll take me to do it. I mean, I have had this start to finish in my brain for some time. Okay. But the problem with it <laughs> and why I never started it um, is because somebody that I had started seeing or was interested in like we got very close and never quite became a thing like one of those things it yep. was like one of those like one that got away yeah um i told them about this project and he just was all about it and it was something that we connected over this love of this song the love of this artist and i would share some of this process or process with him and he would just enjoy it so much and it was almost like this person became wrapped in that idea so that when it never actually happened and i started I started through the grieving process of that last year. Um, I tried to pick it back up again. I couldn't touch it. Just there was to too much right. project. So I had to throw part of it in the garbage and be like, I think I need to let this go. However, yesterday this project crept back into my brain and was like, you know what? I could probably do this without it invoking this, this man's memory. I think I should do it. So, okay. so you already <laughs> answered the second part of the question, which was what stopped you? Yeah. Um, the third <laughs> part of this question is knowing what you know today, mm-hmm. what would you have done differently or would you have done it differently? I learned something or vocalized something recently that maybe other people would like to hear as well. Um, I have struggled in relationships with being codependent mm-hmm. just because that's how I was taught to be. And as an empath, that's 
kind of part of it sometimes and just having to regulate where your boundaries um, start and someone else's stop. So I have learned recently that I do not ever need to bring any sort of potential partner or significant other into my job. They never have to observe it. They never have to take part in it. All they have to know is I can do it very well and I can fend for myself Mm -hmm. with my work. And that is not the way any of my past relationships went. So knowing what I know now, I would probably never do that. And granted, being a designer or an artist of any sort, like that's a little bit different because it's like a public facing job in the same way that a musician or a politician might be. Um, But yeah, it's not necessary. And that's what I would do differently. (laughs) Beautiful. I knew you would have a story. I knew you'd have something. (laughs) All right, Danielle, you have the opportunity to ask a question of our next guest. What is your question? Do I have a question? Um, So to the next guest, what are you doing to regulate and sustain your emotional health through the process of being a public artist? Mm, I love Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Danielle, you've reached the end of the quickie-ish podcast today. Thank you so much for spending time here and for being so open and beautiful and honest with us about your story and your journey and what you've learned so far. There's more learning to do. I'm sorry to tell you, but (laughs) sharing what you have been through. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the second part of my interview with Danielle Evans. I had such a great time talking to her. I got pulled into her stories and just wanted to hear more and know more and just sort of explore her creative world and what she's uh, what she's creating and building and, and what she's been through. So thank you again so much. If you haven't had a chance to leave a rating and a review on iTunes, please head over and do that now. I would really appreciate it. It makes me smile. Thanks again, guys, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye.